Abstract Athlete Podcast, where art and sports collide. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. As always, we want to say thank you to all of our listeners and sponsors for such great support. Any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Also, remember to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and follow us on all of our social media outlets for updates and news. Really very excited about the podcast today as I get to speak with artist, creative, and former tight end for the Colorado Buffaloes, nine-year NFL vet, and Super Bowl champion with the Los Angeles Raiders, Don Hasselbeck. Really a fantastic painter, so everyone, please go follow Don on Instagram at Don Hasselbeck Artist. Let's welcome Don Hasselbeck. Don Hasselbeck, how are you? <laughs> Great, how are you doing? I am doing absolutely awesome. We were going to send a picture to you last week when I was hanging out with Ed and Laura at the exhibition in Phoenix. I mean, the smallest of worlds stuff happened. So, <laughs> When I saw that, I was like, wait, wait a second. I'm not, I wasn't putting like two and two together. Like, wait a minute. How did this happen? <laughs> well, that's what I had sent him. I, I never had met Laura. I'm recording, by the way. I just start, I jump right in. Okay. I'd met Laura just virtually because she knows the person that helped <clears throat> put this exhibition together that I obviously I know. And she's posted a picture of her and Ed. And I think Matt was just out in yeah. Phoenix. And, yeah. and it was like the day after we had talked to each other. And I was like, mine just started blowing up i was like what is happening right now so i i, I sent her a message and then when i met her and, and met ed i was just like this is just crazy so i don't know yeah because i was posting some stuff and I, I mean i i obviously i knew ed because he went to school went to high school with my son um i always i mean you know the size of him he's my size yeah. i always <laughs> tried to talk him into becoming a tight end he loved basketball though so he wanted to play basketball and I said, oh, dude, you would be such a great tight end, you know, because my son was the quarterback. It's like, hey, how about a six, seven, 250 pound? Well, he was he was actually joking that he wears your tuxes. So he said he said we're exactly the same size. I was like, oh, that's great. Well, I, know. I mean, first of all, thank you for doing this. Uh, second of all, it's such a really cool thing to meet you. And, and the conversation we had last week, I was wishing we were recording them because like for me, in some ways, you know, you're, you're one of those original kind of abstract athletes in our heads, you know, along with like the Rosie Greers and stuff that the ones that actually were willing to kind of step out and do creative things and make it aware that you did creative things, you know, because I think back in the day when you were playing football it was a different game and like, you couldn't show that kind of side of yourself as, as much, maybe you did, I think you did, but it was, it was not as, as like acceptable. I mean, even when I was in school, it was like, I've always felt, I think I told you that last week, I always felt weird that I was an artist as well as an athlete. Yeah. I think it, for me, um, and I think I mentioned this to you before, but 
I grew up in Cincinnati and, and Mike Reed, who was this defensive lineman played at Penn state and great player. He played the piano. So it was like, well, if this guy can play the piano and he's kind of proud of it, um, that's just happens. He just happens to have another talent and, you know, maybe it made it a little easier too. Um, you know, being from Ohio and then I went to the university of Colorado, it's like, you know, you've got, <laughs> I always have to break up my V hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, you know, you get to, you get to Boulder and it's like, I think there were probably, I'll say there were four of us on the team that were fine arts majors. And one awesome. guy was a defensive back. Another guy was a defensive lineman, um, maybe an offensive lineman, but it was, you know, um, I will say this, when I was doing the anatomy and drawing classes, guys would always come and visit me and bring me something. So, <laughs> yes. Like, you know, come to my pottery classes. What's the deal here, dude? <laughs> yeah. Here's, you forgot your pencil, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I just, I, I think it's, um, I just think it's really, I, for lack of a better way to say, it, it's really cool that you actually studied it because it's not an easy thing to do both. I, I think I told you I've actually started a class at Virginia Commonwealth and I'm trying to make it into a minor called um, art, art and athletics. And so, and it's really open to anybody, but I have a lot of student athletes that want to be creative or they're not sure they want to be creative. And then when they get in the class, they, they realize that benefit that creativity brings to us. It, you know, it's, it's a de-stressor. It takes us out of that, you know, the anxiety space and, and being a student athlete is so difficult because you wake up in the morning and your day is built. And so like having this class for them is really a great break, but you, and that's, that's, amazing to hear that you actually had three other teammates that did this because I just, again, like, I just think it's, it's such a hard thing to do, uh, to do both. Uh, because I always say, it's like when you're studying for a test, when you're done studying, you're done studying. But when you're an artist, it's like that, that project isn't done until it's done. Right. Right. You know, the thing is too, when you, um, when you're a studio fine arts major, you have this opportunity, like football takes up so much time. You know, there's always there's weightlifting and treatments and you name it. There's a bunch of stuff that goes with it, never mind the practices and the games or traveling. So um, you could go at midnight to the fine arts department and work on a painting. I, you know, um, pottery for sure you know you the guy when you're in that class and you're learning how to do pottery and you're sitting back by the kilns and, and it's two o'clock in the morning you're just waiting for stuff to finish up it's like it's okay now you're a college student so you're used to being up after midnight um <laughs> but that i think that really helped and it was a there was a couple of things that really kind of played into my background too where my father was a boilermaker, uh, so he belonged to the Boilermakers Union. And as a high school kid, I learned to weld and deal with steel. So he worked at a big fabrication plant in Cincinnati, Ohio, and they built tanks and breweries and all kinds of stuff. So there was all kinds of scrap in these in these dumpsters. So he said, "Hey, you have you have access to that stuff." So I started doing metal sculptures, like big ones, in high school. Now the the school after a while was like, ah, oh, that's great. Now get that thing out of here. You know, um, 
but that kind of led to, you know, I'm, I mean, I worked on a ranch, you know, I was married in college. So I worked on a ranch and I'd find this old tractor, like in the middle of this farm. And I'd ask the guy, I'm like, what are you doing with that? And he goes, and I'd like to get the hell out of here. And I'm like, can I have it? He's like, sure. So I'd haul it, put it behind the art department back there with all the other stuff. And <laughs> when sculpture class come up, I'm out there cutting it up and sanding it off and welding it and piecing it together. And it was cool, you know, cause you, here's the thing in college like that, you can do anything. I mean, it's like anything's like, I had this thing like, like big springs off of a truck and then you name it. But when you weld together and it's just kind of well, now all of a sudden you paint it and it's, it turns real cool. It's like, wow, that's pretty crazy. So, you know, and I'm putting them on sides of buildings, a guy that it was a friend of mine, the big real estate guy, and he had some buildings and, you know, I finished these things and the art department's like, all right, get them out of here. Well, I'm, I'm in Mary's student housing. Where am I putting them? The guy was like, Hey, just, just put them here. You can put them at my offices. So it was fun. I was cool. I wasn't selling those things, but I was doing it. And um, I think that, and I then mentioned this to you before, the biggest challenge I had, maybe it was because I was married in college and was like, all right, if this football thing doesn't work out, um, how am I making a living doing this? I love this, but I, I, I got a, I got a child and I got a wife and, you know, student housing rent now, but it's going to get real here when this, when I graduate. So, so now what do I do? And that, that's the part that was probably a little frustrating. It's like, had there been like a class, like, what do you really want to do with this? Like, do you, do you want to be a painter? Do you want to, cause I think when you're like, think, you think back to those classes, like, pottery i don't you know it's like i liked it but it's like nah, i don't want to do pottery you know it's like it was a jewelry class i don't want to do that there was like a watercolor class liked it but then nah, not my thing so when you fall onto something that you really like and you really enjoy and next thing you know you look at the clock and it's two or three in the morning and it's like oh it's okay i thought it was like you know 10 because uh, <laughs> you just it's something you like to do and yep um but that's the part that I wish the schools would say, hey, here's, and, and I think professors too would be like recognize someone that's, that you think is like unique and different. It's a little bit like watching American Idol sometimes. It's like, I've heard that singer before. It sounds just like so-and-so, sounds like so-and-so. Then all of a sudden there's a kid that comes along and it's like, whoa, I don't know what that was, but that was good. You know? so, and you know what, even as a student, sometimes you'll see someone in your class I still remember this class. We were doing like a pen and ink class. It was pen and ink drawings. And the dude got a stick like out of the yard, like a, off a branch and like shaved it off and was doing it with a stick. And I'm like, whoa, that's stinking cool, man. Like, yep. and it was like, who thought of that? He did. Matisse. That, yeah, it was his, <laughs> it was his idea. Like, hey, this, why don't we try this versus some store-bought pen and ink set you know um but that's the part that i i wish we could have connected the dots now for me i got to play professional football so it all worked out but you know i think back to some of my and some of the other guys that i played with in college that they didn't get to play pro football um so i don't know if they were able to take their i haven't stayed in touch but take their art careers and make something out of that or did something that was along those lines because you know, if you go to school and you, you're studying to become a CPA, when you finish, you become a CPA. Yep. You know, 
So now it's it, like, yeah, we did. We talked about this last week and there is like, it's exhilarating to have the options like the world is your oyster kind of a feel, but at the same time, it's also scary. It's like, what am I doing to make money? You know, like so many of my friends that are artists, you know, like worked in restaurants and worked in, and they do art when they're not working and, you know, they make some money here and there, but it's, it is like, I, I wish you said it so perfectly that they need to like have a class. And I've kind of, I, when I talk to my students, it's like, you need to start thinking beyond these four walls of academia, because once you're out of here, it is like, it's, it's a free for all and it's, it's difficult, but they, they do need to think about those things. And, and it's, I, I wish that there was more in, in society of a more of a understanding of art as well. And I don't know how that changes because it's, I think art sometimes gets bad raps. Like the things, the thing, you know, like a couple of years ago down at Art Basel there, I don't know if you remember this, there was the banana with the duct tape. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's the thing that gets promoted as art. And then like people that don't know art are like, this is stupid, art stupid. And, and it's, it's, it's just weird. Like it, you know, where we don't promote young artists that are actually really talented and, and can go into creative fields. And I always say that, you know, like creativity fits into anywhere, like in the world, like you talked about a CPA. Well, if a CPA has a creative mind that their, their employer might be like more interested in how they think, because maybe they're a little bit more creative with it, but it's, it, it is like, it's, it's a really difficult career path, I guess is the best way to say it because there's no gold pot at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> for a job. I, I, it's funny you say that because I went to Art Basel in Miami a few years ago myself and I was kind of blown away at some stuff. I'm like, whoa, this dude's making a living doing that? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> then there's other stuff that you look at and you go, oh my gosh, that is, it's, the, it's just, maybe it's like standing in front of like an amazing singer or something. And it's like, just like, I, you can't even believe it's coming out of their mouth, like some amazing stuff. So it works both ways. And part of it, what I did was I started thinking a little bit like sports. It's like, you know what our culture, like remember you, like baseball was the American game and then football is so popular and then basketball did this. Well, it's like, okay, you know, um, women's basketball versus men's basketball. Hmm probably like men's more. Some people like women's more uh, like hockey. I live in an area because I live in Boston. It's like, it's a big hockey town. I don't like hockey. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind it. Yeah. I'm not going to go to a hockey game. It's just, I'm not going to turn on hockey. I'm not going to get the hockey channels. It's just me. Um, my grandson, my granddaughters play lacrosse. I love lacrosse. I never knew anything about lacrosse. So it's a little bit like those things where people say, Oh, I wish college lacrosse was bigger. It's like, it's like, it's like soccer in the United States. It's getting bigger. Yep. It's better because people kind of grew up with it, but go to South America, go to Europe. It's like soccer is like, it's the religion. So I look at art a little bit like that. Like I, there are, I mean, I follow a ton of people on different sites and there's people that I just, I think are just amazing. Just, yep. but back to that again, it's like, okay, if I'm not that person that maybe you're a portrait artist and I get it because I know some people like that and it's like, wow, that's amazing. But 
they're kind of stuck because it's like, oh, I only get to do portraits. I don't do anything else. Um, but they make a living. Yep. You know, and I'd mentioned this to you before. I worked at Reebok for several years, for 20 plus years. And I would run across all these footwear and apparel designers who, you know, the Rhode Island School of Design or New York School of Design. And it's like, yeah, I was an artist, but, you know, now I design shoes. It's like, hmm? like <laughs> you like it? Yeah, it's okay. But on the side, I, you know, I'm, I paint or I, whatever it is. So, um, but I think, I think what you just said earlier, it's like, if this, there was a class where you would at least make you think a little bit, like, here's what we do know when you're in college. It's like, I mean, I'm on a, I'm a scholarship guy, so I don't really care what paint cost, yep. brushes cost. It's all part of the deal. You know, go to the bookstore and get what you need. It's like, really? Yeah. That's not how it was. It's not how it is now. Nope. When I buy supplies, like I'm looking for the deals. It's like, dude, I'm I don't want to overpay for canvases. <laughs> or I'm not paying full price for paint. I mean, because at the end of the day, my time, my supplies, and then oh yeah, by the way, you need to ship that thing too. Yep. <laughs> Did you want to ensure that? It's like, no, I hope it gets damaged. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So yep. it, before you know it, it's like. The mark because no one ever talks about margins in the art world, but it's like, oh, and then everybody that buys work wants a deal. Like every time, like every time I sell a painting, my gallery is like, oh, they wanted 15%, you know, and it's like, and at, at the end of the day, like, yes, sure. I want people to own my art. Like, that's cool. But it's like, I just don't think that they take it, understand that this is my livelihood. Like this, I struggle with this. I like, I work at it. You know, you know, I mean, I know you're, you're sitting I, there laughing and I, the part of it that's funny sometimes is early on, I'd fall in love with a piece, especially if I put a lot of time into it and then someone would want to buy it. And I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> but luckily my wife was like, all right, we got enough of this stuff around here. You gotta, we gotta start moving some of this stuff out. So you know, um, but I, you're right. It's like, you know, there's, there'll be shows where I'll get it. It's like, Hey, would you take a 15% discount on this? And it's like, you mean both of us? Cause you know, the gallery, it's like, <laughs> yep. they're taking their 50%. Like no one ever told me that in school. No. By the way, if you use a gallery, they're going to take 50% yep. of what the price of that is. It's like, it means like 50% of the net or 50% of the gross. It's like, they don't teach you that. Nope. I would be nice to know though, wouldn't it? Just to, especially like even for me, um, and I, I, because I've seen a couple different shows, like I was at a show recently in Nashville and walking around and I'm, walk, I'm looking at these people that have these like tiny little, they're like eight by eights or 12 by 12s. And it's, it's their work. You can tell because it's, they, they, it's their style. Well, they're 60 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever, but they had like 25 of them. Well, guess what? You, so someone might say, well, I'm not interested in spending a thousand bucks on a painting, but I'll buy one of those for a hundred bucks. Yep. You know what I mean? So they, they were able to move some in. They probably helped them with their costs, move, getting their artwork there and covered some of their overhead. But, you know, business, that's a, that's a business strategy that they didn't teach in school. Like, hey, I know you like to do these great big 48 by 48s, but uh, not everybody can buy those. Right. <laughs> Right, right. Oh, and yeah, shipping, shipping's insane. I've shipped work all over the place. And I like once shipped a couple paintings out to Montana from, from the East coast. And of course 
one of them got just destroyed by FedEx and, you know, and that, that becomes a whole other trying to recoup money from them. And it's just like, I, I can't, you know, I can't do this. It's, it's, yeah, I've tried everything from, um, you know, there's a guy, there's a Rhode Island guy in Rhode Island nearby that ships stuff in a crate. Yep. And it's great. So if you're shipping multiple pieces, it's great. It's expensive though. It's very expensive. So, so let's say you ship, you know, I shipped, um, I think I shipped like 20 pieces to Nashville and sold 10 of them. Well, now I got 10 other pieces I got to get back. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's the cost of everything right there. Yeah. So I shipped, I was going to be a show up in Ohio. So I shipped them up to Ohio. I was like, oh, we had to cancel the show because of COVID. And I'm like, oh, like just, <laughs> But anyway, those, the business aspect of it would just be very helpful. Not that it's got to be, you know, like you're a, like you're a finance major or something, but just the concept of the overall and like, because here's what you do, you know, this too, from galleries, it's like, you'll meet someone that owns a gallery and they're like, oh, this is a really cool gallery. So yeah, but I, I really like to be painting. Like, yeah. Because huh? <laughs> they know that, listen, I'll just sell other people's stuff and make that work. And, and you know this better than I do because, you know, with being playing football and then going into the footwear and apparel business for years and I wasn't painting and it all kind of got away from me when I started to see that like social media is really the way to promote your art yep. in a much, much bigger way than it ever was before I started. So you know, I was with, I was with the Patriots, the New England Patriots, the Los Angeles Raiders, which was awesome to be in LA, you know, at the right time. And we won a Super Bowl and then went to the Vikings and then the Giants. But I always tried to do a show, at least a show, because back then it wasn't as strict, like the offseason workouts weren't as strict as they are today. So you'd have time to paint so I could get, you know, between 12 and 20 pieces done. That's awesome. And so you were like, that's what I was going to ask you. Like while you were playing, you were continually painting, like, which is amazing. And then, like you said, you, you start after you retired from football, you kind of got away from it. Like what, what brought you back to, well, to the art world? I mean, cause you were also raising, you had, you have three boys, right? Three boys. Yeah. yeah. I think, what, I think what happens is, is I'll talk about the, when you're playing, there's their time off. So it's like, okay, we're going to go lift weights and, Maybe that takes a couple hours out of your day or whatever, but they still have the rest of the day. And then the kids go to school or whatever. I had actually turned the house, the first house we bought, the dining room became kind of a studio where, where I painted. So um, the wife wasn't very happy about it, but <laughs> kind of the way it was working. So, uh, uh, but after, but after football, you know, then I go to work at Reebok and I'm there for 20 plus years and traveling and doing a variety of things. So, um, there was no time, you know, I mean, I traveled a lot. So, uh, and it was funny, the guy that was talked to the guy that was retiring, the guy was the president of Reebok. And he said, Hey, listen, if you're, if, if you don't have something to do after you retire and he goes, and I'm not talking about golf, he goes, that'll last for a couple of months. And he goes, by the way, you're not going to get any better either. So, <laughs> which I thought true story, probably true. Um, but he says, you better have something you really like to do. He goes, you know, I don't care if it's donating your time or coaching kids, whatever, find something. So it's like, you know what, I, there's something I've always liked. So um, got back into it. 
and felt that I really liked it. So then I said to some people, I'm like, okay, so if I'd like to have a show, what do I need? And they're, well, you probably ought to have about 25 pieces. I'm like, whoa. So I really, the first year out of retirement from that industry, I, I really spent a full year just painting, just, you know, first of the couple of the old early ones were like, okay, how did I do this again? It was like kind of a trying to refresh the memory. And you know, some things have changed, like some products have changed that I didn't, I was unaware of. And, um, and I, the, the dining room was a real dining room now. So I had to find a new space, um, but it worked out cool. You know, I mean, I, I did a, did a show in Boston, didn't sell anything, which, uh, was okay. Just kind of an exposure of like finding out how it worked. And, but then I got on the social media thing and one thing led to another. People see it. I start posting some videos, watching other people post videos. And um, it's like, you know what? And part of it, I think my biggest challenge was I didn't want it to become controlling. Like when you work corporately for someone, it's controlling. And it's okay, but that's what you signed up for. It's like it's like you mentioned earlier, when you're when you're a, a student athlete, it's controlling. They control you. They tell you what time, they tell you everything. You know, you don't really even, you don't even have your own sense of identity sometimes because it's like they, what bus to get on, you know, what to eat, you name it. Anyway, so now I was like, okay, I want to do this because I like it, but I don't want it to become like a full-time job. I want to be able to pay for my supplies. And like, if I want to buy like a set of big eight, can eight canvases at a time and buy like 30 or 40 different paints, and it's going to cost me a thousand bucks. It's okay. You know, it's like, just do it. So that's kind of where I was. I would like, I, once I get on a roll, I'm on a roll, the weather will turn nice and I'll be like, ah, oh, it's pretty nice outside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause I don't have to, yeah. but you know, and then I, 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 if you've seen some of my work, it's a lot of color. I do a lot. So I love color. So I have this friend that says, Hey, can you uh, commission? They asked me to they commission me to do a piece. I'm like, can you do me a piece? I'm like, yeah, sure. It's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, well, it's thinking more like in, you know, blues and grays. I'm like what else? <laughs> <laughs> like if you've seen my work, it's like, nah, like, I, I use blue and gray kind of, but not really. <laughs> So the whole thing was blues and grays. I was miserable for five days. I'm like, <laughs> my wife, I'm like, I can't believe I agreed to do this. I'm out of my mind. So, and it got what's well, well, that, that's a that's an interesting question. Like where, like where do you think that color? Like where does your art come from? Like, like the color. Like you you said you love vibrant colors, but the ideas as well. So I I don't remember what year it was, but we were taking a class on color with it was a joseph albers class so it's like whoa are you kidding me like we'd have you know those pantone books and then all of a sudden you know the the typical one you know the blue with the red or something it's like why is that vibrating yeah. you know, it's, it's crazy <laughs> so it was just it just it triggered something so at the same time i'm taking a painting class and we were we'd go into the mountains and you know outside of boulder and we'd paint the sun rise or sun was coming up against the mountains and it's like so we'd come back after you know a couple hours and then we stick them up we we're doing it at the time on paper we'd stick them up on the wall and it'd be like um same 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 everyone we all looked the same it was like we were painting the same thing 
we're seeing the greens, the grays, and the sun was hitting. So we see a little bit of orange hitting the rocks or whatever. It was like, and really in Boulder there, there's this, this, the foothills are just, it can be amazing when the, when the sun hits it. So, and then at the end of the day too, you'd paint something because the sun sets were just phenomenal. Well, it just, I just one, I can still remember that it was a weird day. It was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I, this is too crazy. So I decided that every color that wasn't there, I was going to use that color. <laughs> so came back and obviously my, my piece is sticking out like a sore thumb and the professor says, Hey, Hasselbeck, what are you doing? I'm like, um, I just, I just, I needed to do something different. I just couldn't do that anymore. So he goes, well, you're on to something. He just, just keep doing that. So that's kind of where it started. And, you know, the fact that the Albers class is going on, it's talking about the interaction of color with other colors. And then I'm, you know, cause I'm thinking sometimes like, you know, when you're around an art department, you see a lot of art. It's like, like, dude, that's doom and gloom. Like who wants to see doom and gloom? You know, it'd be like, Hey, what do you do? Well, I paint paintings that are rain scenes. It's like, really? Like, you know, you see some of that, some of the French, like, you know, you see some French rain scenes. It's like, okay, but you got anything cooler? Like <laughs> beaches or yeah. stuff like that. But anyway, the, the re interaction of color was just so prominent and dominant that it was like, it was life-changing and mood-changing. And then, you know, you're playing football. So you hear these stories. Of, do, you, do you have like, this? Oh, yeah. Coloring? I have yeah. boxes of these all around yeah. the house. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> So, you know, and then at the same time, you're, you're playing football and then you, you, you go to visit a team. It's like, these guys painted the locker room pink, like for a reason. <laughs> yep. Like, what did they do that for? Oh, I get it now. It's like, so they're just messing with our mood. Absolutely. Here. So, it wasn't like they painted it black and red. So, yep. Yep. Uh, but that, that's kind of where that went. So then all of a sudden it's like you, it allows you to like, I really, and especially now, it's it's changed a lot for me. I used to just kind of randomly, hey, there's a nice color, and just kind of mix it with another one and throw it next to it. And then you could, there's a lot of gradation that goes on. And, and I, I learned the hard way sometimes when some colors, they ain't supposed to be next to other colors. They yeah. just it turns into ugly mud. So, um, but you know, I've learned through that process. So now I actually have a strategy of I sit and think and look at color and say, okay. How's that going to look when this next to that? And what's it just, and, and guess what? It doesn't always turn out exactly like I thought, but it's like, because I use a lot of tape too. So I'll have things taped off and then I'll pull it off and go, whoa. Yep. I do the same thing. Much better than I thought it was going to look. Yep. You know? <laughs> I do yeah. that same thing. It's that big reveal. And it's like, it is, it's almost like the hair on the back of your neck stands up and it's yeah. like, oh, I hit something there. Yep. Well, it's kind of funny because I do post some videos of, of me pulling the tape off and there's a lot of other artists I follow that do the tape thing and they'll, they'll, they'll send, they'll send a comment like, doesn't that feel so good? It's like, yep. yeah, it's weird, man, but it does feel good. It's like, but it is very cool when you, because a lot of times if you have big areas kind of taped off, cause you're kind of working, you can't let any paint get on that area. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, that, whoa. It's cool to me. Like, you know, it, it, it's cool for me to hear that, that story about you with the landscape, because I, on a personal level, I, I did an art residency in 2004 in Wyoming and I drove out there 
And ever since then, I have driven out west from Richmond at least once a year. Last year, I went four times. Drove. <laughs> and because I am inspired by the western landscape, and I can still, this this place in Wyoming, it's called U-Cross. And so there was like a living quarters where everybody would, you know, there was a kitchen. Everybody had like the same kitchen. We'd all have like dinner together. It's kind of a rotation of artists. I think the longest you could stay was four weeks maybe. So there was a couple overlaps of different people, but then the studios were, you know, like a little bit further back. And I remember just one day sitting outside of my studio. It's the, it would, it's the first time I'd been out West other than flying to California, but driving there and being like, especially the Northwest kind of area. And I remember looking at what I assumed was like these dull kind of red clay, like mounds that leads to the, to the, um, which the Bighorn mountains. And just, I remember it raining like one day and you could literally like see the grass grow. And to me, it wasn't about the green, it, it, like that kind of dull red or that dull green of the grass, it became fluorescent yeah. in my head. And so like, I, I use fluorescent paints a lot and they, I bury them, but there's like moments where the fluorescent paint pops out because yeah. it's that, that kind of what you were talking about with when you were painting the foothills in Colorado is just, I wanted to shift that color and hyperize it is what the word I use. <clears throat> but it just it's fun for me to hear that story. Yeah, I mean, part of it is too. We all know this. I don't. I don't care if you you know you go to New Hampshire, Vermont, here, Maine, and there's something about these really cool sunsets. Or being at a beach here or something like everyone will stop. It's like, oh, look at this sunset. Or you're in Florida. It's like at that sunset because the colors are amazing, really amazing. And then when you, the part that's like for me that where a lot of that comes into my paintings, where those depths of mountains that overlay into the next one you get this kind of like foggy sense of like is that real like it almost looks kind of fake like why is it why is it like that it's like well because it's farther away than this one is and it just creates a cool really cool look and I, even anytime i see someone that that is similar does something similar to that it's just it's intriguing to me and maybe you know, and I, I would say this, though, I, I think I get stuck because like you, you're exposed to other students, other artists. I'm not. So like when I was playing here in New England for the Patriots, I would take some classes at RISD at night, just something to do and kind of uh, see other stuff. I love walking around the studios and seeing what other people are doing. And it's like, wow, there's some real, real crazy, talented people here. So. Um, you know, it's, again, I'll use the music analogy. It may not be my genre all the time, yeah. you know, like, you know, you get, and someone said, you know, we talked about this last week. It's like up here in New England, um, the way houses are built, maybe it's changing a little bit, but there's not a lot of room for big pieces of art like there would be in California, Miami, or Arizona. Um, and up here, by the way, they like, you know, castle. I mean, they like uh, um, lighthouses and beaches and seagulls and, you know, it's, but that's, that's cool. A lot of people sell some of that. And, you know, you go down, you know, you go down the Cape, there's a ton of that stuff and, um, and people love it. People love to do that stuff. So uh, it's just not me.
quick break, make sure to check out Don's work and follow him on Instagram at Don Hasselbeck Artist. Also a reminder to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Now back to Don. I just, I, I just, again, like I love to hear the fact that you've, even from talking last week, you feel like you're a very curious person. And I love the fact that while you were still, you were playing in the NFL, you were still taking classes. Like, I just don't think a lot of people do that. I mean, they don't do that even if they're not playing in the NFL. And I, you know what I mean? Like, I think that idea that you're, you're, you kind of push that your creativity and you, and again, like, it's not that you have to like the stuff that you see, but you're interested enough to like, to, to engage it, you know, and that, and, and to take those classes, I think I, I, again, I think what part of what I'm trying to instill, not just with the student athletes, but a lot with the student athletes is creativity is a lifelong process. Your sports career, your sports career is not like for me, my sports career ended at Ohio state when I quit school and I couldn't, I, I could have been drafted to play baseball out of high school, but my parents wanted me to play and go to college. I should not have been in college at that time. And then when I quit after that first year, it's like, I'm done. And then like, it's like, well, shit, what do I do now? Yeah. I think that, I think there's something inside all of us. I think it's like, you're right. It's like sports. You realize sometimes, and maybe it was, you know, I'll give you a really good example. I'm in my ninth year. I'm playing with the giants and um, I'm not the starting tight end because Mark Bavaro is, but I'm, so it puts me in like, I'm on the scout team playing against our number one defense. And there happens to be this linebacker. He's pretty good. His name is Lawrence Taylor. So <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, it was like, you know, there were other guys too on that team, Carl Banks and Andy Head. And these guys were all about the same size. And, you know, Parcells love guys like that. So, I'm in my ninth year and these guys are young bucks. And it's like, I know some tricks that they don't know, but one of the things I don't know is like physically, I just don't have it. What I had when I was three or four years into the league, it's like, you know, I'm not Tom Brady. That's for sure. So, uh, but, but so in back, so when you compare that to the art world, it's like, Hey, I know how to do this. But I don't really know how to do that. Like I'll see something, especially now, I'll see something on the internet. It's like, whoa, dude, that is so cool. Like, how'd you do that? Like, and it's it's intriguing to me. Like even some simple things that I just don't do. Like, like I don't do resin. I'd like to do some resin. I, um, I do. I actually use resin. I, I I wish I could. I just I my wife's probably afraid I'd blow the house up or something. But I you know you need some space that so it doesn't kill you but because i've seen some pieces it's like wow that looks i think it would enhance my colors too so just things like that but i'm always i'm all i'm curious i'm always curious not that i'm and you know this it's like sometimes it's like i'm not copying them i'm just kind of i'm borrowing an idea that they probably borrowed from someone else anyway and it was like you know like a lot of times i use a lot of sponges over brushes and Someone will go, you do that with sponges. And I feel guilty sometimes because I waste more paint than I put on the on the canvas. But it's, you know, it's like, yeah, it's kind of how I do that, you know, because I liked it. I like the feeling of that. So yep. you know. It no, it, it it like I think that art is like a constant evolution. 
Like we, we create, you know, it's like, I always think, I always tell students is like, if you look at my work from 20 years ago, you can still tell it's my work, but there's always shifts and there's different things and things will come back in, into play. Things will get removed. It, it's always about that editing process. And it's, but it is, it's about practice. <laughs> it's Yeah. And you know, here's the thing too. You, when you're young, like when you're really young, like, I don't, maybe it's for, it was high school for me and somewhat college, do it all. You know, if you're doing some portraits, doing some animals, doing some landscapes, some seas, do it all. Try it all. You're going to, some of it you're not going to like at all. Some of you are like, hey, that's pretty cool. And then other stuff's like, eh, that's not me. Just so, but try it, you know, like, again, back to the singer. It's like, hey, do you sing country or do you sing pop or what do you, what is it you sing? Are you theater? Or are you opera? What is it? Just find something that, that's your lane that, and it doesn't always have to like stay in that lane. It can morph into something else. Like, like think about what I do. This all started as like mountainscapes and then it morphed into what it is today. So um, I just think if you don't enjoy it, like really enjoy it, meaning like you love to do it, it's not, it's not worth doing. Like, absolutely so it's cool to hear like you you know you took in some ways a lot of creativity from your father did you like you you again you have four boys or three boys two played how did first of all how did you get two quarterbacks in your family i'm just kidding now when you play this game you're like wait a minute uh and back think about i played when i played in the 70s and 80s you could just you could basically kill people so um like, eh, do you really want to run down the middle of the field and have guys like try to tear your head off or blow your knee out? So I was like, no, nah, I don't think so. So, yeah. um, and I was a player rep, you know, for the Players Association, and the average career was three point two years. So I was like, yeah, this isn't a really long career. But then you, then they do these, you know, especially now they they run spreadsheets and everything, and it's like, whoa, these quarterbacks are lasting a lot longer than the tight ends and linebackers are, and running backs for sure. So. And the kids were gifted in baseball and talented athletes. So I said, you know what? You got to play quarterback, like try to play quarterback. And I, it was not, it wasn't like there was a goal. Hey, we're going to go to the pros or something. It was like play quarterback. You know, they were good leaders, um, good arms. They understood the game. You know, we, you know, obviously we talked about the game a lot, so they understood it. Um, actually all three were quarterbacks, but the, the my youngest son, Nathaniel, he was really athletic. So, you know, maybe catching balls from his brothers all the time. I don't know. If he, <laughs> yeah. he gets to high school and he was a quarterback, but it's like, oh, man, like the quarterback's going to hand the ball off most of the time. So we need him to be a receiver. Or, you know, he did everything. So that probably pushed him out of the quarterback lane. I, he probably would have been a college quarterback, but it just became a receiver, defensive back, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, just, it's part of like, look, you're not going to play this very long, so you're probably going to get, you know, beat up a lot. So why don't you play something that's and you still get beat up, even though it's because they could they could beat up quarterbacks then. So, yep. but today that's why, that's why I actually played quarterback too, and that's I, I I've talked to former football players on the podcast, and I always say this is like I hated getting hit. I didn't care. I didn't care about hitting people. Like hindsight, I probably should have played defensive back, but I just, I, as a quarterback and actually you might know, I actually used to take quarterback lessons from some people you probably remember. I took quarterback lessons from Art Schleister. 
Oh, wow. Um, do you remember Rick Slager? Yeah. He played yeah. at Notre Dame. Um, he lives in my hometown. The reason why this is a weird story, but the reason why I took quarterback lessons from Art Schleister, uh, his attorney is my friend's dad. And my friend's dad, who was an Art Schleister's attorney, was also a quarterback for the national championship flag football team. So I had these three really talented quarterbacks that I was learning from for a couple of years there. Uh, in yeah, and you know, a, it's like anything else. If you're a quarterback, there's a lot of different techniques. It's a little bit like golf sometimes. Like, okay, yeah. put your feet here. You guys, you know, you get, there's some will say, hey, here's awful f- footwork. It's like, so, <laughs> yeah. but it's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think that it's like, you, you know, you find something that you think you're pretty good at and you do it. Like my kids, none of my kids, um, I think it skips a generation. None of them have any interest whatsoever. My grandchildren do. My granddaughter is phenomenal. She's, I think she's very, very talented. Um, I have a grandson that's very talented. So um, it's just a matter of if they like it enough, will they pursue it? Yeah. No. And I think it's, I'll go right back to what we talked about in the beginning. You know, especially the cost of college today, you know, you get your parents saying, well, wait a second, college is $75,000 a year. It's like, you're going to do what? You're going to be a fine arts major? Mm-hmm. Then what? Yep. <laughs> you know, like, oh, absolutely. You know, well, then you, what are you going to do then? Like, oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be a psych major. Oh, well, then what are you going <laughs> to do? <laughs> you know? Exactly. So it's just part, you know, it's just you're kind of thinking down the road because you know, you're around college kids. It's like those four years go fast. The parents' payments don't go fast, but you know. No, I'm still, I'm still paying student loans. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. So it's like that. That's the only part that, again, back to that part. I wish it was a aspect of the, of that schooling that um, would show you how they get to take the next steps. I'm always, this is a question I always, like to ask people because I think it's, it's interesting. Um, like who are like some influences, you know, and again, it could be like fine arts, uh, painters, or it could be like, I think your dad probably is an inspiration, but like some people that like, and it could be athletes as well, uh, that inspired you. Like you obviously had some really cool coaches that you played for as well. Like Bill Parcells, you, you played under, um, Flores, correct? Correct. Um, and obviously Al Davis is such a big presence um, with the Raiders. Like who, like, are, are there any people that you, that really stand out? Like it is Matisse, like a, you know, an influence. No, I would say that there's just a variety of people that, that, um, you know, there's, I, I would say this, if there's a name that comes to mind and it, it was the name Segunda, which don't know if it even rings a bell, but it was, mm-hmm. it was something that I, stumbled across in college a little bit and was like in, in and I thought he was fairly successful I'm like he's doing something that's different and unique and maybe I can do that too like part of what I do now is that um yeah, and I mentioned Albers but I, I I think that I don't want to be a copycat yeah. uh, and so it's kind of I'll take a little here a little there it's like oh wow that's pretty cool like I like that, but there's not like if someone said to you, "Hey, did you have an, an athlete? Is was there an athlete that was your idol?" I'm like, no, just that's just kind of maybe that's my makeup. It's like 
I kind of like to do my own thing. Like, but I like to get parts and pieces. Like I will say this, when I went to the, um, the, the museum here in Boston and saw the size of some of the paintings, it was mind boggling. You know, you're in school and you, you see them on a page or you know, you're in some big giant auditorium and they show it on the screen and you, you know, you're like, ah, oh, thing must, that's probably like a three by four or something. And you get there, and the thing, it's massive. You're like, whoa, dude, how did you do that? And back then, how did you move it around? You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff is amazing. So yeah, not really. I, like, um, I think part of it too is that, and you know this from being a teacher, that there's a lot of stuff that I don't think you need to know. Yep. You know, there's like, a, there's these art history classes, like, really? I, I like to, it's neat. Like, matter of fact, why don't we just take a trip to France or Europe or, and let's do this for like a week or two and then we'll come back and we'll all go, whoa, I get it now. I don't, I don't need to memorize. Like, like they, you know, you know how it goes. A slide shows up, you got to date it. You got to, who is it? It's like, you know, it's pointless. It? It's pointless. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like by the end of the school year, it's like, uh, who was that again? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I don't know. It's just, the, I just, I, the part, and you know, that the kids that are, that are, and you know, the students that are there, they, they're there for a reason because they have some talent and that's what they want to pursue. So as I would love to figure out ways to kind of help, that process along and you know what maybe it because I, I don't know you probably know this better than i do but like the percentage of kids that's that are fine arts majors what do they go on to do oh like, it's it's something i think this is a people that get master's degree master's degree which obviously that's even more specific i think it's a crazy number that I don't, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to say it, 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 like 10% of the people that get master's degrees do what their master's degree are, which is, that's just ridiculous. You know, like it's, yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. It's a little bit like, you know, it's a little like college football, you know, like, well, only 1% mm-hmm. go to the NFL. Does that mean you don't try to play college football? No, you, but you play college football and then you, you, you get an education and something yep. that you like and you, to see if you can't um, pursue that, you know, it's hard because it's, it's, it's a big business. College football is a big business as college basketball. I mean, it's the final four. Uh, how many classes have those guys been to this? Week? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say the same for Ohio state, but unfortunately they could not finish the job. Yeah, it's kind of the same. I mean, you know, the, the graduation rates aren't that great, but it's, I get it. And especially it's probably getting worse. because kids well, are that's, early. I think that's the thing is like, when you go to school for a sport, that's what you're going to school for. I mean, I, you know, like people that don't understand that, like, there's so much money in college sports, particularly football, obviously. I mean, that's, that's the granddaddy, but it's, it's, there's just so much money and that's what, that's what you do. Like, but that's why I'm trying to like instill with these student athletes. It's like, this is going to end sooner than later. You still have to have something that you love to do because sometimes the job you have at the end of this rainbow it isn't going to be what you want to do creativity can be anything right and and if you enjoy doing it you're going to want to come back to it you know 
And, and yeah, you're right about the creativity part. Like I think of, you know, my years at Reebok, there are people that um, they do events, you know, maybe yep. they're very creative. Like when you do a really good event, especially if you're a global company and you have people in from all over the world, it needs to be spectacular. Yep. You need to be creative to put that thing on. It's Absolutely. not just, it's just not your everyday, it's better than your high school prom kind of thing. So um but you got to figure that out, you know, where that fits in terms of what you like to do, especially and you and use the talent you have. You know, yeah. I, I heard a, I was on a plane one time and a guy was talking to me about uh, we're just talking. He, I asked him what he was doing and he told me, you know, same thing with I think we we're coming back from Asia. And he said, well, I fix companies. <laughs> and I said, really, how do you do that? He goes, well, I'm kind of in HR. I said, well, what do you mean by fixing? He goes, well, let me give you an example. He goes, a lot of companies, he goes, they have, uh, he goes, let's do this comparison. He goes, Jerry Rice, a really good football player. I'm like, of course, he's a really good football player. He goes, how about right tackle? Would he be a really good right tackle? I'm like, I'm terrible. Right <laughs> he goes, well, that's the point. A lot of companies have people playing in the wrong positions. Yep where when you play Jerry Rice, he goes, that's an extreme. He goes, but most companies are this. They get Jerry Rice playing defense. He's pretty good, but he's not as good as he would be on offense. He goes, that's up to my company to figure out who's best in what position. He goes, some people are just playing out of position for, he goes, no, it's no one's fault other than, you know, a little bit of nepotism or whatever, or friendship or someone knew this person. So they're working in a certain area. He goes, but when you get the right people in the right spots, bang, it takes off. So it's like, that, that's a really good analogy. So, you know, creative people, there's a variety of things for them to do, but I think part of it is you got to step out of your comfort zone a little bit sometimes. I mean, just, you know, like you're, I don't know how many athletes actually pursue something like this. You know, it's, it's, it's unique. Uh, I don't know if they're embarrassed about it. I don't think so anymore, but um, it can be fun. I mean, if, if it's something, if you like to do, like, I mean, here's the thing. We know certain guys have the gift of gab. That's why they, they're play-by-play -play guys. They're disc jockeys, whatever they are. They do, you know, they interview people. They're on TV a lot. It's, but they're good at it. That's what that's. And they were a communications major. Bingo. Perfect. You know, they went to Syracuse or they went to Northwestern or wherever and, they, and it fits. So, you know, just trying to stay in my lane, <laughs> but staying curious. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe kind of last, last kind of wrapping up <clears throat> question of sorts. What, like, obviously you're, you're a fine artist. You're like, you're making paintings, you're doing stuff like just want to continue going into galleries, doing different stuff like that. And, and is that, that, that's the goal. Get, get stuff into museums, obviously. And yeah, I think, I think part of it is um, part of right now, I think my goal is to like stockpile some things, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I get, I get, I don't know if it's sidetracked or maybe it was through the pandemic. I, I was seeing hearts everywhere. And, you know, I didn't want to be the kind of like the corny guy just painting hearts, but it was like, it seemed somewhat commercial, but it was like, you know what? they were thanking the you know the frontline workers and you know all that kind of stuff so just did a little bit of a research on hearts and it's like i don't care and i was thinking about it too because you know there's so much talk about you know chinese and russia and ukraine now and 
it's kind of like, I don't care what part of the world you're in. There's one symbol that everyone knows. Yep. It's a heart. So yep. like you get, you know, my, all my travels with Reebok into Shenzhen or Fuzhou or places like that into China. It's like, I don't know what that says. I can't read, you know, I don't mean read Mandarin or Cantonese. So I have no idea what that says. If it had a heart, I, I knew it was a heart. Yep. So Anyway, I got on this little heart thing and, you know, my wife even looked at me, hey, what are you into hearts or something now? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to push this a little bit. So I have done just about six of them. I'm probably going to do a few more just until I kind of, I feel like I pushed it a little bit. So it just, it's just something that, and I like it. It's just, it's unique. It's different. It's, um, you know, someone it's, just uh, it's a- evolution for you. Like that's again, like that, how that's how art works. Like you find something you're interested in and you explore it. Yeah. And I, part of it, like I never really, maybe a little bit comes from like when you're, when you work corporately, there's things that you do marketing wise, cause you want to sell your stuff. You know, you want to s- sell sneakers, you know, yeah. like, you know, so, you know, Reebok did the pump, Nike did air. There's, there's, everyone's got their own little shtick. So, um, I like color. It seems to me like there's a lot of people that like hearts, not never was never one of my big things, but, um, kind of is now it's just something I'm, I'm interested in. Um, I got a request the other day, like I said, would you do a, um, a heart with Ukrainian flag, you know, maybe some way we could create, we could raise some money somehow doing that i'm like you know what when you see the suffering and the things that are going on it's like oh my gosh heck yeah if I, if, yeah yep. if i can you know, i'll donate 100 percent of the proceeds like we want to duplicate these things let's let's make as many as we can and sell them because just because i mean people are giving money anyway but it's like maybe it's maybe that's i don't know i but that's the kind of thing that um, and I'm always looking to see what, like, is someone else doing something that, that I'm not doing? And, you know, there are times where my wife will say, you're, aren't you giving your secrets away? I'm like, nah, I don't know that anything's a secret anymore. I yeah. think that, and, and some of these other artists will say, whoa, like, how do you make that line so crisp? You know, I'm always like promoting frog tape a little bit, but I'm not a frog tape <laughs> spokesman or anything. But, there's a there is some there's some products out there that let's say they enhance the the quality of that line against the frog tape so when you use those products prior to your paint that line's crisp now i've tested a bunch of them and you got to be careful because just no different than painting your walls in your house it'll pull some of the paint off if you're not careful so and the quality of certain paints so um but just trying different techniques and things and um, cause you know, this from painting that, especially on a canvas stuff will run underneath paint oh. very quickly. And next yep. thing you know, you're like, ah, oh, shoot, how do I fix this? You know, especially if it's a dark color or something, yep. but, um, but it's, you know, I, I, I find it very, I turn some music on, um, might even turn like the business channel on. What kind of music do you listen to by the way? Believe it or not, Christian music. Okay. Big fan of Christian music. And um, but I'll have the business channel on too sometimes. And it's like, 
that's not really relaxing based on <laughs> stock markets going. So, um, no, nah, but it's in, in time flies. I mean, you know this from being a painter. It's time. Time flies, and um, I get excited when I have when I start to collect a lot of pieces to put them together, and then I then I have this weird sense of like be kind of nice to sell this because I'd like to invest in some more products because yep. I start to run low. Like I'll start a list of like, Hey, I'm, you know, I need this, I need some more oranges or I need some more blues or whatever. And, and next thing you know, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm at that stage right now. And, and maybe I'm like everybody else. I'm waiting for the big sales. You know, it's like they overstocked and I'm waiting for like a 50 or 70%. Of <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, cause then I'll stockpile some and I'll have, you know, maybe I'll have eight of them here eight blank canvases so that I can work on. And and, that, and part of it for me too, is because there's so much taping and things that I've learned the hard way, like on these large canvases, I have to remove all the structure from the back of the canvas, yep. like a crossbar or something. So I remove that, um, which is a little tedious at times because uh, I have to cut it. Then I have this, I've made a block of, it's out of plywood and wood and it slides right in there behind the frame because all of my canvases are at least two and a half inches deep or two and three quarters. I like to paint the sides of them as well. So I have a block that goes in there because when I'm painting and taping, I'm, I'm really hard on the canvas. I'm, 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 I'm pounding it a little yeah. bit. Have you ever worked on, have you ever worked on board? Cause I'm I, actually working on board okay. now. Oh, that's what right. I paint. I paint on, on wood. See, I, 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 I'm working on it. I don't like it as much as the texture of the canvas, yep. but I'm learning to like it. You can I'm always stretch to... canvas over top of it. That's that what, what I was. That's where I, that's my next move. I'm yep. like, all right, how do I do this without, and I'm not a professional at it. Cause I remember them teaching us this in school. And I'm like, gosh, I would have wished I'd have paid more attention. They didn't <laughs> want it, you know, <laughs> I mean, we all did it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was worried about those corners. And it's like, I worry about those corners now because I'm, you know, I want it to look perfect, yeah. you know? So, and I, here's the, here's what I found out. Like, like a lot of times I'll have to make a cut with a razor blade knife in a certain area to lift the, the tape off. I've cut the canvas mm -hmm. and I didn't know until like afterwards. So when everything really dried and started to shrink up a little bit, I, I saw it on the backside. It's like, Oh my God, I cut this thing. I can't believe I cut this thing. And I, you know, spent weeks on this thing and I've got the cuts <laughs> all over it. So, you know, you learn the hard way, yep. you know? So, but I do, I'm working on boards now and I'm trying to like it. Trying to like it. If you ever need, you have my number. If you ever have, have a question, I'll like, I, as I said, I paint directly on board. Um, but I like have stretch canvas. If you ever have a question, just text me or call me. So um, do you, do you, uh, have you ever stretched the canvas on like a board? Yep. Oh yeah. I make my own frames. So like oh, I, do? yeah, yeah. I make my own frames and I typically just gesso the board, but I have painted directly. I mean, I've, I've stretched canvas over the board before. Um, I just, I don't like, because I'm trying to get real smooth surfaces. So yeah. I don't really like the canvas texture necessarily. I, you know, that's why I use, um, I use a water-based polyurethane, um, and I mix it with paint, which is kind of, um, it's like a medium at that point. Yeah, the problem yeah. is like, I have, I, I was using this, like you were saying earlier about finding 
you know, there's differences between all these products. And I finally found a, a, a urethane that I really liked, I don't know, like six, six, eight years ago, whatever. And, um, now with supply chain stuff, I can't get it anymore. And I've tried a couple other things. So I, I've kind of shifted my making, um, where I'm not, I'm only using this, this urethane as a, like kind of a sealer. Cause I still like that surface, but I can't. Wait, can you seal when it's all finished? Do you seal with that same urethane? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's, it's it, but the, the urethane that I, I like that was good as a medium, I just can't get. And it's, it's so shifted. Real smooth, do you, do you brush it on or do you roll it on? I, well, that's the thing. I used to use a foam brush and brush it on. And cause this, this urethane that I was using, it's really like syrup, the, te- yeah. the, the, the viscosity, but now I actually use a roller and I don't even use the urethane until the end. But I'm the last, the last, well, I use it between each layer, I should say. Yeah. And I am rolling it on because it's just a different, it's a different viscosity and it doesn't settle the way, the way that I want it. And so it's, you know, for good or bad, what, you know, for me, it's just, okay, product of the circumstances. So I have to do this. So it's, it's changed my paintings lately. And there's been some interesting things that have come out. So I, you know, it's just, it's just the nature of, of the, the product for me right now. Yeah. And I, I mean, people ask me sometimes, it's like, and I've tried a bunch of different brands and sometimes some of these brands, especially because of all the tape I use, it's like, I get so frustrated when I put a lot of time in and next thing you know, I pull a piece of tape off and it pulls that paint right off. It's like, that's what happened. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I love I, the color. Yep. But it needs to stay on the canvas yep. or the board, you know? Yep. No, that's, I literally this, I'm not going to name the product, but I use this national brand product trying out a different polyurethane as the mixture, like the, the medium. Yep. And I was peeling the tape off and it literally peeled all the way down to the gesso. And I was like, yeah, and it just, I mean, I had to start all over and I had like, I typically work on 10 paintings at a time and I kind of cycle them in and off the table. Cause I paint flat and like I had five going and I, I should have been smarter and just tried it on one. I, I can't believe you can do that. Cause if people ask me, because of their, for, for me, there's a lot of drying time that has to happen between yep. those. And I can work on maybe two. Yep. I just get color confused. Maybe it's because I'm, and I, maybe I'm, maybe I just need a bigger space and maybe push one away from the other one. Um, I just find, I found myself to be, I don't know. Just that's your way of making though. Like that's the individual. I mean, I, that's frustrating more because I have to, I literally, I honestly, I have a, I have tape there. I, I write down the time when I've finished, I know I cannot go back onto that paint for an hour. Yep. So I've done my thing. It's like, okay, coffee break. <laughs> Gotta go have lunch. Yep. You know, come back and paint. Like my wife, we're watching TV or something. She goes, Where are you going? I'm like, it's been an hour. I gotta go paint a little bit, you know. And it doesn't take long to paint it yep. because and I, you know, the prep work on some of my stuff, the, the taping is like it's insane. Yep. The amount of taping I do. So um do you i like this is a question i like to ask athletes do you think like the discipline that you learned as an athlete translates into your creative practice in some ways 
I would say probably yes. I think it's the discipline of, you know, the patience of that too, where, um, yeah, yeah, because there are people that will see, like someone will comment on their like, I don't know how you have the patience to do that, you know, so, um, and I, I will, there'll be times that I'll spend hours before I even get to paint. Because what I've done is I've, I've sketched it and then I put it on the canvas and then I'm like, okay. And then on my mind's like, wait a second, I'm, I'm covering this with this. Yeah. But I can't cover that yet. Then if I cover this, then this goes under that. Cause I have a lot of weaving kind of stuff that happens now. Yep. So it's like, nah, cause I'm going to have yellow going over that. And that's kind of a dark Brown. Like that's not going to work. So I got to, it's kind of becomes a mind game. There are times I sit there and, and scratch my head and, and I, I have to, like, I'll even get up some colored pencils out and, and do a piece of paper and go, okay, if this is this, and then this is this, well, that goes under that. <laughs> Sometimes I look and I'm by myself. So I'm like, <laughs> looking around, like, if anyone were watching me, they're going to nuts. Like if I were doing this in a studio, like, what are you doing? I thought you're supposed to be painting. It's like, yeah, I am, but I'm, and I, I you know, I'm, so I, 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 I used to do a lot of technical drawing too. So I used to design some houses and things. So yep. I'm, I have my, all my rulers out and my scales and I'm measuring it off. And it's like, gosh, why don't they make these things even? So this would be easier. And all the tape, you know, it's like one inch tape. This one inch tape isn't one inches. It's, like <laughs> it's three quarters. Inch. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like wood. A two by four isn't a two by four. Exactly. And I'm like, that, it doesn't add up, dude. Like you're, you're wrecking it for me. I want to make it real easy. So every block is like three inches apart. I can't do that. So, but I, I do, I like that. There's something about, and I've, and I just said this earlier, one of the things I've become really cognizant of is like the discipline of certain colors by other colors and working with other colors. So it just more, it become, makes the painting more vibrant versus just randomly kind of just, hey, like I'm, I, watch, I look at a lot of stuff online where people are like, there seems to be kind of popular pouring painting, right? Like, yep. pour, like I, I look at it and go, well, I think I'm wasting a lot of paint. These people <laughs> a lot more than to, I am to another degree. Yeah. Well, they're pouring it or they're got it in a bucket and they're swinging it. And it's like, that's pretty cool. But it's like, number one, that must take a long time to dry and man, you're wasting a lot of paint. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a little more because the discipline of like creating something that has a little bit of a meaning to it for me, you know, just, yeah. At least, you know, I, I'm I'm a more I'm a little bit more organized. You know, maybe yep. someone would say, you know, feng shui or something like that. It's yep. like everybody's got to be in the right spot. But, um, you know, I, and I get frustrated sometimes when it's like I think I have it, and then I'll paint something. It's like, gosh, that's darn <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, it's just, nature of being an artist. No, and you know, it's like it's, like, it's expensive. It's like you make an expensive mistake. It's like didn't I just pay a hundred bucks for oh. canvas? Hi. It's that's what Hi. I mean when I when that happened a couple of weeks ago with that with that material it's it didn't I mean I obviously was able to paint over top of it but it, I got I had to sand it back to, and it's t- time's yeah. money and 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 so it was it was like this frustration of oh, all right see this this material doesn't I need to get my material back so and, when you're working on 
that many paintings at a time, how, what size? Uh, I mean, anywhere for I, the biggest painting, I actually have two panels right now that are eight by four. Um, but usually I usually work in four by four, 36 by 36, 24 by 24. And then I also have some, um, more landscape, like 11 by 48 and stuff like that. So what's the material? Um, it's like a Luan and either poplar or white pine as the sides. I can send you some pictures. You get any warping out of that nope. white pine? No, nope. no. I try to like find the and once I put them together, that there's, you know, that's the problem. Is like if you go to a Lowe's or Home Depot, like you have to like sit there for an hour and like find the straight pieces okay. and stuff. But once you put it together, um, it's not going to go anywhere. But yeah, they that white pine. That's why I like poplar because it's a soft hardwood. Right. So typically, it's just a little bit more expensive. But you know, it, it's worth it. It's not that much more expensive to not buy it. So you lose the Luan is your surface then on so, the yep. So it or either that like a or there's a at Lowe's there's like a it's like a um a floor a floor wood. I think it's like a ply yep. and it's like sure ply or something like that. And it's a good yep. a good surface. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's it, and uh I just like because I I the material that I use, I I can't have like a soft give of a surface. I need that, that rigid surface. So yeah, I'm, I'm the same. That's why I have these, I have all these blocks that go behind, you know, yep. size for each one. So, yep. you know, um, I, I, and I, I get frustrated when I buy something and next thing you know, I get a little bit of warp out of it. So it's like, oh. a, what not to buy. I mean, yep. we all know the saying, it's like you, you get what you pay for. So, yeah. Oh, and I, know, I, I even, I even paint on, I make plexiglass, um, boxes for, for paintings as well. So I've been doing that lately. Cause I'm really interested going into the West idea, like that idea of the vastness of scene. Yeah. And yeah. so that, that translucency of a surface, I, I, that the way that you, you know, you talk about color so much and I'm so interested in color, but I like the translucency of how, and that's really difficult because you're, you have like a color and then you put another color that looks great together, but then if it's translucent, it's just like, yes. whoa, <laughs> you have no idea where it's right. going. Right. So it's like gray paper sometimes. Oh, that's a great color. Like, exactly. Wait a minute, that pink laid over that orange. What is that? Yeah, that is, exactly. That's brown. <laughs> exactly. But uh, well, Don, thank. I mean. Thank you so much. Like, first of, first of all, like, um, you know, we're doing some exhibitions that I would, you know, I, we have one out in Phoenix right now and we have one coming up as a matter of fact at, um, at Ohio state. And I would love to get a piece of yours. Um, we're going to do like an opening during the Ohio state Notre Dame weekend, um, okay. actually, and would love to, you know, we'll, we'll, it's not until fall obviously, but we'll continue to talk. And we like, we do exhibitions and we do pop-up shows as well. Obviously since COVID, we haven't done this as much, but we've done stuff at um, arenas and, and fields and stuff and just do like a, an exhibition during a game. Okay. And, yeah. um, but we, you know, that we also do like the longer format exhibitions and would, you know, immediately when I saw your work, I was like, oh, you know, this guy would be perfect. And then meeting you has been just a pleasure because I just think, mindset we have like very similar mindsets and it's always fun to just talk sports and athletics or sports and, and art in yeah. such a fun way and you lived it and like i said you're like 
you're like in in to me like somewhat a trailblazer because you were you know back like the Rosie Greers and like we were talking about the other day and like that that to me is important to like share your story and to like show your work yeah and you know what's interesting is you mentioned Rosie and I think I told you this we did a show with Rosie Greer and Tommy Heinsohn and Tug McGraw. We did it in New York City at a place called the Spectrum Gallery. We were on the Bryant Gumbel show, Good Morning America. So that was probably the late 70s, early 80s, whatever that was. So um, interesting. And here's the thing that was, you know, when you're when you when you're an athlete, you're like waiting for me to do like you do paintings of like Joe Montana or or yep. Joe Namath was like, no, don't do that. Matter of fact, I like my head to be like away from, I got my football side and then I got my, cause I'm, that's takes up, you know, 75% of my brain power. So I'd like to think of something other than yep. that side of football or sport. So, you know, like I've seen some of the work, I, I, like I saw a bunch of Leroy Neiman's one time in Del Coronado Island at this hotel. And I'm like, whoa those are number one i love the color yep. but like he wasn't an athlete so he did things that were athlete driven and then he found his lane it's like hey people were willing to pay him that he's at a horse race and he's painting the horses it's like you know what god bless him oh and then and by the way he's selling prints of those things so yeah absolutely you know, yeah so everyone but i think that um I, I would like to be part of something like that just to and maybe it encourages some other people to to try well and that's that's you know like we i don't know if you had a chance to look at the abstract athlete website or anything like we have a lot of things we're getting ready to release product here in the next couple months um you know my my business partner has started two toy companies and um he sold both of them but he still works for the one so we're getting ready to release products through the toy company we actually bought land out in montana with an idea to start an artist athlete residency with an idea to have places across the united states as well like looking at different areas to do different things like that we obviously do the podcast we're going to be doing workshops um so there's a lot of different things that First of all, I think you can be involved in a lot of different parts of it, like whether it's doing a workshop, whether it's, you know, we can, I mean, your, your work is so, I think eye catching, I think it could be part of the product line. So there's a lot of things I think that, um, you know, I, that I will, will remain in contact for sure. And we yeah, have obviously have sure. mutual, mutual, uh, <laughs> relationships. <laughs> so, um, but no, it's just, I like, again, it's, it's for me, it's just fun. Like that I've, I was able to meet you and have these conversations and look forward to continuing the conversations about painting too. Like, and it's just, you know, cause I think we're in that same space and it's, it, to me, it's just, it's, it's so fun to have these conversations. I agree. And, I'm, and, I could, and, part of it is, is, and you know, this is it, when you, you know, when you're an artist and you work alone, I, you know, I, I always, I always think sometimes of, um, at RISD where there were all these artists and it was like, you could tell some of the artists, some of them were professors, they were still painting there. And the, yep. some people would be painting at night and I could say, those aren't students, those guys are a little bit older, but um, you're in that community of people that are kind of shared ideas. Um, and when you paint alone, you just do, you're alone. You don't really, you see things, you see things now only because of social media that you would never have seen before, but you're not really, really seeing it. Yep. Um, 
So that part, um, it, it's kind of funny because I remember at Reebok, all the designers who were designing footwear and apparel, they all kind of had their separate spaces and cubes and they're away from each other. And then they decided to move them all together, like closer. And they it were open, it was open design space. And it was like, well, a collaboration. I'm like, seems like they're talking a lot to each other versus really designing. Yeah. But you can see people sharing ideas were starting to work, you know, just concepts that yep. not, that's, that's probably the part I miss the most where if you're around other artists, you're kind of like, whoa, that was a really cool thing. I, I, don't, I don't do that. Like I wish I, and that's even when I see a video, it's like someone will say, you know, I talked about the resin thing a little bit and it's like, yeah, but I don't, I don't really have the space to do that. And that looks like it's great ventilation and no dust and all that other stuff that I, I, I don't have. So yep. Um, do you use, are you, uh, water-based or oil-based? Uh, water-based. Okay. So that like the water-based urethanes don't have a really bad smell and uh, most of them I think are non-toxic. Oh, so good. They're not, okay. they're not, but again, like it depends on what, you know, like, you know, what you want to do with it. If you just want it as a sealer, I think most of them would probably work. Um, cause it'd be like such a thin coat. Like some of the stuff that I was doing was pouring and moving it around. So it still has a density. And that's when that, <laughs> the tearing comes apart and is like, no. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, Don, thank you. Like, um, Hi, uh, this is, uh, absolute blast. It was so fun. Um, I will be, this will be out, I think in a couple weeks and I'll get it edited and put some music to it. And, um, I'll send you some, some videos and uh, pictures to post on social media if you want. And um, but like I said, don't hesitate to reach out with questions or just to talk me. <laughs> and anytime, sure. anytime. And uh, and like I said, I look forward to continuing the conversation and getting you involved in some of these exhibitions. So I would love it. I love great. it. Great, awesome. Bye, Ron. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye. See you. Bye. Well, that was just so cool talking with Don about his creative journey and really how he sees and, and how he thinks. Really love hearing that story about the Albers class and how it kind of changed the way he painted and how he kind of sees the world. Absolutely looking forward to continuing these conversations with Don. Like I said, he's an amazing painter. Make sure to go follow him on Instagram at Don Hasselbeck Artist. Remember to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events and news. Thanks again. We will see you next week. And as always, do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there. Mm -hmm.